We're starting a new series, a winter series, and we're in the book of Acts, the New Testament. And uh, as I do every series, I ask my wife uh, to come and pray over our series. And so um, um, let's pray. Uh, Lord, we commit this new series into your hands, God, as we dwell into your word, into the book of Acts. Um, Lord, we we pray that it will speak to us, that it will teach us, that it will challenge us, that it will encourage us as a church to be more like the church uh, that you intended for us to be. Uh, Would you help us to uh, be obedient to your word, uh, help Holy Spirit, we invite you into our hearts, our minds, the depths of our souls, so that we may really see uh, and learn and read what it is that you desire for this church, the Chapel Sydney. We pray that you will be with Pastor Steve. We pray that you'll give him wisdom and guidance as he preaches. Um, And Lord, we pray that your words uh, will be fruitful in our lives, uh, that it will bear much fruit and that it will be pleasing to you. We commit this series into your hands and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. So the author of the book of Acts, right? So in the New Testament, right? You've got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then John. And the fifth book is the book of Acts. Now, just a little bit of background. The book of Acts is actually part two of a two-series book. And the first part is actually the Gospel of Luke, which we did in our autumn series. So the author of Luke was Luke. hope you haven't forgotten that. But this is the second part of his book that he wrote. Now, the first part in the Gospel of Luke, I hope you remember, was all about Jesus. Who was Jesus? And Luke took time to investigate carefully of the claims and the idea and the life of Jesus. And he recorded that for us, for us to learn about Jesus. And then the book of Acts then goes to the second chapter of, well, what happened after? Right? What happened after? Let's start Acts 1.1. In my former book, book of Luke, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. And so that's the background. We've got the story of Jesus, right? His life, the miracles, you know, bringing dead people to, you know, to life, you know, walking on water, you know, making, you know, just just miracle healings and, 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 you know, um, casting out demons. And then he dies on the cross. He dies on the cross. And then the third day, he's, he's risen. And that's the end of the book of Luke. And, and, and then the question is, well, what happened after? Right? What happened after? And what, what the book of Acts is going to show us, and I'll, I'll quickly, you know, from one to whatever, is how did, how did we get from Jesus dying on the cross and resurrecting 
to where we are now as the global church. How did it go from 12 disciples to billions of believers in the world? And the book of Acts is the, 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 the gap that's going to explain to us how the church scattered. Now, if you remember, our, our big theme this year is gathered and scattered, right? Gathered around Christ. And now, now we're going to see that it's not just being about gathered around Jesus, but it's about scattering. What does it mean to be scattered? And that's what uh, the book of Acts is going to be about, okay? I'm going to be reading a fair bit of scripture today, so um, please keep up with me. Acts 1, 1 to 8. Let's begin. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you going to, uh, at this time, uh, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The disciples had seen Jesus crucified on the cross, but then resurrect from the dead. And Jesus spends the next 40 days with them, teaching them and, and encouraging them. And he gives them a clear purpose. Because you've got to think, right? If you're a disciple, you've got to be asking yourself, what am I doing now? What do I do now? Jesus, you're going to go. You're going to go back into heaven. What am I meant to do? But he gives them a clear purpose in verse 8. You will, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses. You will be my witnesses. Jesus tells his dis disciples, I want you to be my witnesses. To where? To the ends of the earth. Now, what's a witness? A witness is to find a person who sees an event take place. In a courtroom, when a witness is brought in, they're not asked about their own opinion or they're not asked to give a wonderful story about a topic. They are simply asked, what did you see? What did you see? And that's all Jesus is commanding his disciples to do. Tell people Witness to people what you have seen. Tell the world what you have seen. And that's the purpose that the disciples are given. Let's jump to Acts chapter 2, verse 1 to 4. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be uh, tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. 
all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them to do. Now, the day of Pentecost is a special holiday, a Jewish holiday, where they would celebrate early harvest. Remember, we're talking, you know, 2,000 years ago in in an agricultural society, right? So it's not that the day of Pentecost, something happened to create the day of Pentecost, but the day of Pentecost already existed as as an, uh, an existing holiday. Now, on this day, the disciples were together. And they see what is one of the most phenomenal events in the Bible is when the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, comes and fills the room and fills the disciples. And the outworking of that is that suddenly the disciples start speaking in different tongues and languages. Now, some of this stuff, it can kind of go over your head, and that's okay. Just, just go with us, right? And it's going to really, it, it confuses the crowd because suddenly, you know, the day of Pentecost, all these people were there from all different nations and, and suddenly these Jewish guys and girls can, can speak their language, right? Verse 5, now there were, there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia and Phrygia and Egypt. I'll just skip the hard ones and parts of Libya, near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they ask one another, what does this mean? You've got to, like, it, it's hard to explain this, what happened, right? The, the believers are in the room, and suddenly the Holy Spirit comes, and they all start speaking different languages, and there's people outside going, wait a minute, how do these guys know how to speak my language? It's like suddenly, like, you know, I'm here, I'm speaking English, or I'm speaking some, some type of English, right? You know? And then suddenly I just start speaking Korean. You know? And then I suddenly start speaking, you know, Vietnamese. For, I, don't know, like, I don't know any other word, you know? Or start, or start speaking Hebrew, you know, Shabbat, Salem, you know, like, you know, like, you know, like, you know, it's just, it's just odd. I start speaking Indonesian. Ayo, hey, you know this song. We went to school together. Ayo, Malcomana, Ayo, Kendonesia, Ayo, Barbaka, yeah, right, Indonesian, right, we just... Man, see the problem with Sangu and myself is we learned that in year seven, and that was the height of our education. <laughs> see, you, you gotta understand that it, it's funny, but it's really confusing. I, I once met a, a, a missionary 
and she was an Australian lady, and she would have been about 60 years old when I met her. You know, she looks like she would just sit on the street knitting, you know, drinking, you know, English tea. But she was a missionary in Korea for 30 years. And this, this white lady, Caucasian lady, would walk around the church, and I'd speak to her in English, she'd speak to me in English, and then suddenly, like, an elder of the church would come, and she would just go straight into perfect Korean. And I'm just watching this going, I don't understand. This doesn't make sense to me. And I just feel like that's what it was like. Now, the explanation, what, what, what's the explanation? What were they saying? What were they saying in all these different languages? Verse 11, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. They were starting to do what Jesus told them to do, and that was what? Witness. They were witnessing what they had seen in declaring the goodness of God, the wonders of God. Now, the day of Pentecost is important to us because that's when the Holy Spirit came upon his disciples. But it's also important to us because that's where Jesus, because he told the disciples, don't leave Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit comes. Right? Verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes. Why was it important? Because that's when you get the uh, power and the authority. You know, the gospel going out has to go out with an authority. And whose authority is that? It's God's authority. It's God's power that, that comes alongside the gospel. Now, there's a funny verse in here. I was going to skip it, but it's pretty funny because 2 verse 13, right? You know, after all of this, you know, you're witnessing all of this happening. And then someone goes in 13, some, some however, made fun of them and said they have drank too much wine. <laughs> Now, can I just tell you, I actually wrote this down. You know, sometimes when you get married or you have like a, a kid's birthday, you know, like they, they call the pastor and they go, hey, can you just share some words? Okay, please do not use this verse at your wedding, right? Because it's very inappropriate. Okay, that was a joke, but that's okay. We'll move on. <laughs> verse 15, Peter, the, the leader of the disciples, gets up and addresses the crowd. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. Why? Because it's only 9 a.m., and then Peter goes on to explain to the crowd what is going on. And this is where the ministry of Peter really starts to kick off. Now, I'm not going to read the whole rest of chapter 2, but he's going to tell the, the, not just the disciples, but the crowd, that it was from the Old Testament that it was prophesied that there would be one day that God would send the Messiah and, and he would come to save Israel, and that through him all who call on his name would be saved. Verse 22 to 24. Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth, a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. This is the message of the gospel. This is what Luke was telling us in his gospel about the life of Jesus, that Jesus, the Son of God, would come, do miracles, but then be killed on the cross. God would then raise him from the dead, defeating 
death. Verse 32. (coughs) God has raised this Jesus to life and we are all witnesses of it. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. For God did not ascend, for David did not ascend to heaven, and yet he said, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. Jesus was the Messiah. Jesus was the Savior. Jesus was the one that would save all mankind and lead them back to God. And this is the gospel message, that we cannot make ourselves right with God. We are sinful. And because of our sin, we cannot make ourselves clean once again. And so God, in his love and mercy, sent his one and only son, Jesus, to die on the cross for our sin. That when we put our faith and trust in him, not only will we be saved from eternal death, but we receive eternal life with God in heaven. That's the gospel. That's the good news of Jesus. Now, here's the response in verse 37. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord your God will call. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000, 3,000 were added to their number that day. So Peter preaches the gospel message and the people respond, repenting and being baptized. Right? This is the great commandment that Jesus gave in Matthew 28. Therefore, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. This is what Jesus commanded the disciples to do. And what we're going to see through the book of Acts is how does 12 disciples, right? A group of men that were 19, 20, maybe 21 years old. How do they take the gospel message and transform the world that we live in today? And that's what we're going to see through the book of Acts. Now, the final part of chapter 2 then describes the beginnings of what we know as the church, the group of believers. I'm not going to spend too much time in it. I'm just going to read it because we have spent a lot of time in this passage. But this is the starting point of the first church. Verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. That's the first church. Now, Jesus, before he ascended to heaven, gives, number one, a clear purpose. Go and be witnesses to the ends of the earth. He gives us clear authority 
where this comes from. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. He gives us a clear message, the message of the gospel, the good news of Jesus. And he gives us a clear community, the believers, what we now know as the church. Now, what do we take away from this? What, you know, it, it, sometimes when we read Acts, we can read it as a historical book. And it's important for us to understand the history. But if history, but if you're not learning from history, then there's no point. Right? So what are some things that we take away from this? I think there's three things that we, we need to take away from today. Number one, the gospel is on the move. Anyone that thinks that Christianity is a passive religion, that it's just about hearing and listening, I think you've missed the point of what Jesus has commanded us to do. God is actively desiring for his people to hear the gospel and respond to the gospel. The same mission that was given to the disciples uh, 2,000 years ago is, give, is given to each and every one of us today. And it's this, go be my witnesses. Go be my witnesses. It's not like go and make up a story, right? Remember what a witness is, right? Just go and tell them what you've seen. You know, Andy mentioned that it's been about a month since we came back from camp. Can I tell you, when you go through something exciting in your life, naturally you want to share it, naturally, right? If something exciting happens in your life, naturally you want to share it, right? You know, if, you, if you're getting married, right, and, 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 you know, getting married is one of the greatest joys in life, right? But if you're getting married, you're not going to keep it a secret. Naturally, you're going to tell people, right? You, you're going to be like standing next to your, you know, your, your fiancé and go, hey, this is my fiancé, we're going to get married, right? Naturally, why? Because it's such a big, exciting, joyful thing. But why is it that when we come to Christianity and the gospel, instead of the joy of sharing the gospel, why is it that we're a little bit like, um, I'm just going to kind of keep it to myself? Because can I tell you, the gospel is the greatest. It, 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 there's nothing that compares to knowing Jesus. Like even winning lotto is not comparison to meeting Jesus. And yet, why is it that our attitudes are quite different? You know, we call, we use a term closet Christian. We use terms like Sunday Christian. You know, if you got married, would you be a Sunday husband? You know, would you be a closet wife? You wouldn't. And that'd be weird, right? But, but why is it when it comes to our faith, why is it that we suddenly become a bit different? And it's because we don't recognize the joy and the magnitude of God's heart, not just for you, but for the world. God's heart's for the world. Can I tell you, you being saved was part one of salvation, your salvation story. Part two is God using you to save others, being witnesses. Go and be my witnesses, Jesus says, to Burwood, to Stratford, to Sydney, to Australia, to Cambodia, and ultimately to the ends of the earth. That's not anyone else's job, but that's your job. 
There's a, there has to be an ownership of this. You know, Romans 10, 14 reads this. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent as it is written? How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. And that's talking about you. The gospel is on the move, but the gospel is on the move through you. You know, I love it when, when people come to our church and one of the first things that they say is, I've never gone to church before. That means that if this church did not exist, then for that person, they would not have had an opportunity to hear the gospel. Can I tell you, you have friends and family around you that the only connection, the closest connection that they have with God Almighty is you. It doesn't matter how good or how long you've been going to church or how well you can explain it. Be witness. Just tell them what you have seen. Just tell them about the God that you have experienced. And you know what? There are certain, so many times where you're sharing the gospel and someone's going to give you a question and you're not going to know the answer to that question. And that's fine. That's fine. You don't have to have all the answers. Right? You just share what you know. And it's through that sharing that the gospel moves and moves and moves. But understand that the gospel is not passive. It is active and continues to be active. Secondly, we need to understand that the power and the authority comes from God. Don't go to someone and go, hey, I want to I share with you the gospel because I'm awesome. <laughs> I want to share with you the gospel because my church is amazing. Because it's like, you know, we live in a we, we live in a um, a very high information age where we get bombarded with information left, right, and center. It is amazing how much information is poured in front of our eyes. And we live in a generation. We, we don't believe everything. We actually, we're the opposite. We don't believe anything. You know? We're, we're the cynical generation. You know? Like, this new medicine will, will heal you. You know? Back in the day, it's like, great. Let's all take it. Let's all take it together. What do we do now? Let's Google it. Let's see what the active ingredients are. Let's see what the reviews are. You know, back in the day, if I went, hey, there's, a, there's this restaurant on the corner of Build Road and Clarence Street. It's fantastic. That's it. That's all you've got to take. You know, that's the only information you have, right? Now you go to Google and you can Google and go, oh, look, there's 57 reviews. It's a 2.5 star rating. And look what this person said. Food tastes like crap. Okay, I'm not going to go there. You know, like... You know, there's just so much information. And so you know what? When you start witnessing to people and telling them about the gospel and about, about Jesus and what they've done for you, you know what they're going to do? They're going to be like, yeah, that's cool. And that's it. Because that just becomes information. But what you need to understand is this. The gospel message is the only message that comes with the authority of God and the power of God. 
Can I tell you, there is not another message in this world that you can share with someone that could literally change their life. But the gospel message, because of the power of God that comes through the Holy Spirit and the authority that comes through the Holy Spirit, it literally changes people's lives. See, that's what we're witnessing. It's not just God is good. It's God is good. Look at me. Look how messed up I was. Look how my life has changed. And people are like, you know, why are you so different? And at the end of the day, it's the presence of God in your life. And it's that same presence and it's that same power that exists when God works in you. That's the same power and authority that you have when you go to share the gospel with other people. Don't, don't be silly. We're not, we're not here at the church handing out Bibles to people going, hey, you know, this is some good information. This is some good information. You're handing out the word of God. You're handing out the transformational power, literally the power that breaks death and sin. People can go from hell into heaven based on what you're witnessing. It's not just some scheme. It's not just some ideology. This is literally the transformational power of God that comes through the Holy Spirit. That's why your life has changed and that's why mine has changed. It's not because some good you know, argument came across. It's the power of the Holy Spirit that comes through each and every one of us through the gospel. Your job, right? And, and I, I want to make this clear. Your job is not to transform someone's life. Your job is to witness your own transformation. God will transform their life. God will convert them. I have a friend at our church, right? I'm not going to say who he is. And he comes to me, right? <laughs> One Sunday, he comes to me. And he brought this newcomer. And, and during fellowship time, he comes to me. And I knew he was going to come to me because I saw him come with a newcomer. And he always does this. And he comes up to me and goes, hey, I brought my friend. And I'm like, yeah. And he goes, he's not a Christian. Uh, yeah. He's never been to church before. Yeah. And he looks at me, and he always does. He looks at me eye to eye, and he goes, you need to preach good today. <laughs> you need to preach good today because he needs Jesus. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, oh, so much pressure. <laughs> you know, I don't know. Like, you know, but, you know, like it's a fun story. But, but here's the thing, right? It's not up to me. That's the beauty of it. No one in this room transform their life because of Steve Char, except for one Melissa Char. <laughs> but that was her choice. So, you know. The, the power is not mine. Where does that come from? The power is yours. Captain Planet. Okay. Um, I do not hold the authority to change your life. Only God does. But my job is to present to you the gospel. My job outside of the church is talk to my non-Christian friends and be a witness to them and show them the goodness of God, right? God's job is to transform their life. God's job. And that's why it's so important for us to understand that it's his power and authority, not yours, not mine, okay? Third thing, and we didn't spend too much on this, but the third thing that we do have to understand from this passage is this. The church is your team. The gospel is on the move. The power is from God. But the team we're on 
is we're on team church. I went through, I went back and looked through some photos of our camp and the videos. Man, we, it was a great time. We had a wonderful time. But one of the greatest testimonies and the stories that continue, I continue to hear after camp was this. I asked people, what was your highlight of camp? You know, like, you know, obviously the dancing was a highlight because that always continues to come up. And, you know, the preaching was sub, you know, it was, it was all right, it was average. But you know what the highlight, a lot of people tell me is this. I got to know people that I've never spoken to before. I got to hang out with people that I see on a Sunday, but I actually never really got to know. And that was one of the greatest highlights of camp. Can I tell you, friends, God did not send us out on our own, but gave us a team, a family, to do this together. Something that we have, uh, I think, very well in our communities, that strangers can come together, be supported, and be encouraged. I think that's the strength of the church. We come together, we encourage each other, we help each other, we love each other, we also challenge each other. This is the impact of community. And what you need to understand is the purpose, uh, the, the mission that, that Jesus gives to us, we don't have to do it by ourselves. But we have a team, and your team is the church. Your local team is the Chapel Sydney. So you don't have to do this by yourself. Now, over the next three months, we're going to be journeying through the book of Acts to see how a small group of believers went on to change the world for Jesus. But here's where I finish with. This is what I just want to leave you with. Sometimes we distance ourselves from Scripture and we distance ourselves from the gospel and think to ourselves, that's someone else's job. But can I tell you, friend, the gospel on the move, sharing the gospel, being the salt and light is not someone else's job, but it's your job. It's your job. So as we go through the book of Acts, yes, it's historical, but you need to ask yourself, am I a part of this mission? Am I on mission? Because the gospel is on the move, even today. The question is, what about you? Let's pray.